0: Our good friends at Johnny O welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnny O clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago. But it's the signature Johnny O style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me. And I've been wearing Johnny O ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order.
1: Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome. to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations
0: and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your, host, Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 113. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. There are many times in life where we're defined by our age, which can lead to wrong perceptions. And our guest, Blake Wynn, is proving that age isn't a limitation. An entrepreneurial prodigy at 12 years old, Blake would begin reselling shoes on his eBay account, where he would also acquire shoes by traveling across the nation, attending various sneaker conventions, eventually becoming a celebrity after launching his YouTube channel Just Win, which now has over 400,000 subscribers, and his videos across social media have compiled over 100 million views. Still not even 20 years old, Blake would start his own sports marketing agency in September of 2018, B-Win Sports, which helps professional athletes and brands connect. And He was recently named one of the most influential entrepreneurs of 2019 by NASDAQ and Yahoo Finance. Here's episode 113 with Blake Wynn. And we're here again for another episode of Rich Take on Sports. And I'm honored to have Blake Wynn here. Thank right. you, sir.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad Cri- to be here. I, be fun. No, it's an
0: honor. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn from you. And that sounds crazy that I'm 48 years old <laughs> and you're half my age. A little less than that. I'm only 19. So. No. I know. That's what <laughs> I mean. It's crazy. But I want to understand just from a perspective of. How you're well mature beyond your years and, it. yeah, how did all of that happen?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it all starts with parenting. I had an amazing, amazing upbringing, so my mom, my dad um, I always had a you know I always had a really small circle. I think that was one thing that really kind of differentiated me from most kids. I went to a school where I graduated with fifty eight kids It was a small private school in Las Vegas. I was always really focused and I remember when I was younger, I wanted the iPad, the first iPad that came out, right? And my mom was like, well, it's not your birthday, it's not Hanukkah, it's not anything, and that's an expensive thing. If you want it, like, try to earn it. And she doesn't think I'm going to earn $1,000 I'm <laughs> 9, 10 years old, right? I mean, the odds of that are almost zero. And I decided, well, I'm going to start a car wash. But I didn't just start a car wash where I wash cars. I invited all my friends over, and I went door to door, knocking on doors, getting people to drive their cars to my house where my friends watched them. It was ten dollars, and I had five friends watching them. Each of them got a dollar for each car, and I and I kept five, and pretty much made a thousand dollars in like a week. Bought the iPad, and then didn't think anything of it. I was ten. I was like, okay, I got my iPad like done. No more. And Mom was like,
0: what just <laughs> happened? Right, and so and you had no concept probably of what
1: that really meant in terms of no. the dollars that you earned no. that's a lot of money and you know what's so interesting about it is in a weird way that experience for the rest of my life kind of diluted the value of a dollar to me in the sense and what do you mean in the sense of right now financially like i'm doing fine and i think a lot of people would be like Well, do you want to retire? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And for me, it's more one of the things of I just want to be able to choose what I want to do. If I woke up today and was like, I feel like going to Paris, I don't want to be like, crap, I can't afford it. You know, and so the fact that I was able to make a thousand dollars pretty easily at like 10 years old really kind of opened my eyes to it's not about that. It's difficult to make money. It's about enjoying the process of making that money. And so that's what I've done since. And I think that inadvertently it's worked out really well because I think a lot of people are chasing that dollar. And it becomes very, very difficult to actually get the dollar when that's all you want. Versus if you're just trying to create essentially good experiences for yourself and a really interesting story about your life, the money just kind of comes with it.
0: Yeah, but now, did you think you were developing or creating those experiences back then? Or is it just you
1: wanted to be able to earn certain things? Um, I think my entire life without even understanding the term entrepreneur, I knew that's what I was going to do. That's how my family is. My uncle started the Wynn Resorts in Las Vegas. Uh, My dad was his right-hand guy. My mom is an options trader that she started herself about 10 years ago, runs like 20 portfolios. So so it's in your blood. No, Right. It's in your DNA. My family really works (laughs) for anybody. Um, And even in school, you know, they kind of tell you like show up on time, do this. And I was always like, I'll be honest with you. I was was actually an okay student, but I didn't do school properly. I I got good grades, but so it was funny. So I went to the same school pre-K through 12. And when you graduate, they give you like a little note that tells you kind of like an entire synopsis of your experience in school. And apparently from pre-K through 12, my overall attendance was about 62%. So what that essentially means is I missed like four and a half grades worth of days of school from pre-K through 12. And it was growing my businesses and traveling with family and I was lucky I went to a private school that was allowed because in the public school system, I wouldn't have advanced even though my grades were fine. And to me, it was like, I don't want to show up at eight. Like I'm happy to stay till 10 p.m., but I don't want to show up at eight, you know? And I was always like, I kind of worked on my own schedule. You know, I kind of always was like, school, I felt like school teaches you how to be a really good employee for somebody. So if I hire someone, I would have, I'd like them to have gone through school, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't really. But now, did you question authority? Not in like a rude way. I was never like this sucks. You didn't just like the sh- you didn't like the structure though. I didn't like. It wasn't even so much the structure. It was that I was like, I'm not really learning like this. You know, I I, I go home. So fast forward to like sixth grade. I over the summer I went to an Adidas outlet and I had like forty four dollars in my wallet. And I saw these shoes right in the front. They were nineteen ninety nine, and the suggested retail was one hundred ninety nine dollars. And for whatever reason, I was like the. Have to be worth more than $20. So I spent the $44. I had exactly enough for two pairs with tax. Took them home. The next day, both pairs sold on my mom's eBay for $108 each. And I was like, this is cool. Keep in mind, I knew nothing about shoes. That's how I kind of really jump started my entrepreneurial career, but I didn't know anything about sneakers. And so I did that for five years, became top rated seller on eBay at 13. So I would go to school for seven hours, come home, do my homework really quick, maybe go to practice. I played football, I played basketball, I played golf. I was really into sports. And then I would literally go dumpster diving, is what I called it. So I would go to the grocery store that wasn't far from my house, and they had a cardboard dumpster. And I would literally yank the cardboard out of the <coughs> dumpster, make boxes, because I didn't want to spend a dollar on shipping. I was like, why? right? And that was the thing. is, It's not that I didn't have the dollar for shipping. I just I'm so process-oriented. I had more fun doing that. I had more fun knowing that I was like, Because it was this an extra experience. Dollar. Right. And so I pretty much did this until I was 16. So for five years, literally selling probably minimum of 50 pairs of shoes a week, I would go dive for 50 boxes until I finally... Did you ever was, get caught? Yeah, but it wasn't illegal. So yeah, I would get caught and they'd be like, why are you in the dumpster? And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I'm just getting boxes. It's like I have a business. And the amount of, it's funny, the amount of, store employees that I explained my business to, and they were like, you're probably making more than me. And I was like, I want to do this. And I'm like, do it, right? Like, do it, why not? You know, well, That's the thing, yeah, but most people don't. That's the thing, is it's like, do it. And it's like, okay. And then all of a sudden, you have a job, and then you have a side business, and then you have shipping, and then you have this, and then you have responding to messages, and it becomes overwhelming, and it's just easier to watch TV, or just watch sports, or write whatever it is that you like doing. And so that's what people usually go for.
0: Now, but I'm just amazed that you, you, I've heard the story of how you just described that and how you started it, but then how you just continued keep, to keep it going. Um, if you didn't know anything about sneakers, so did you have a passion as you
1: started experiencing this? I, I'm a very interesting case. I think I have a, a passion for business. Like I literally think that I could start an app about laundry, and do it the same way that I do anything else because I just love So it's not anything. necessarily the item. No, I honestly, I think I play business like a video game. I think the point is get the new high score, right? Whether it's, you know, get the next client for my agency, sell the next pair of shoes, like so on and so forth, look at my numbers month over month, and hopefully they increased, right? And if they didn't increase, hopefully something else was happening on the back end that is setting up like a spike or whatever it may be. So for me, that was, always the, that was always the gig was let's just like get the new high score business, you know?
0: Well, you are part of the generation that consumed by video games. And maybe I, not consumed, I but I, I say that no, just because I have three teenagers <laughs> okay. and I've seen how it can be consuming, you know, from that standpoint. But you're saying you were, you were not consumed by video games, but you treated the business like that was my video, video game. game
1: that was my video game i mean that took up all my time the time i would have spent playing call of duty or madden or whatever else was playing that i played a little bit of madden i'm not gonna lie because i <laughs> love football but really not not a lot of video games i mean i i didn't own the ps4 for the first few years it was out i mean i really i didn't have time you know and that was the thing is my parents would always say to me to be like you have to enjoy what you're doing because just understand and you won't understand now but when you're 25 30 35 years old if you don't like the way that you spent these years, you're going to regret the fact that you never had a childhood because you started your own business at the age of 11. And I was like, that, no, that's fine. And I understand it more now, what they meant, because now I live on my own. I'm financially dependent, so on and so forth. So I get it a little more now. And I'm like, if I, if I could tell my 11-year-old self something, it'd be like, thank God you did this. <laughs> because if you didn't, you'd be like everybody else. You know, you have one life. Like, why would you want to be like everybody else? Yeah, but now
0: do you feel that you missed out on any childhood experiences?
1: Yes and no. I'm aware that I missed out on certain experiences that kids have.
0: Yeah, and I mean like just being a kid. No worries but, whatsoever. Well, because as you're building
1: a business, there's comes responsibilities. and. Yeah, but I never really felt the pressure like that. Because it was one of those things that I'm not really scared of failure. Now, the flip side of that is I think the reason I'm not super scared of it is because in a non- braggadocious way I haven't really experienced it to a a really intense degree yet you know I've started three businesses and they've all gone quite well to be honest with you and so I think maybe I'll honestly probably get a little more scared of failure when it when it really hits me but until then I'm kind of oblivious to it and so I'm not worried about it I'll take risks I'll hopefully manage the rewards properly and we'll be good
0: so you feel you haven't really faced adversity I know you're only 19 so you haven't experienced a whole lot of life yet
1: Yes and no. I think I haven't experienced a whole lot of life, but I actually, I read this great quote from Mae West and it said, it's not about the years in your life, it's about the life in your years. And I think that what I've done in the last eight years is a lot more life than 40 and 50 year olds have even experienced to this day. And so, you know, when it comes to the experience question, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm actually working right now on unofficially getting a job with a specific NFL team to be a marketing executive. And I'm only 19, right? And so, it's not an easy pitch to say that, but when I share my ideas they're like, they're looking around in the room at all these Harvard graduates and 50 year olds have been working there for 30 years and they're like, why didn't this idea come out of you? Right, and it's because I do get it. I have had eight years of experience in this, but they've been a really busy, busy, 22 hour per day long you know, experience. And so it's one of those things where I'm not really worried about the lack Of awareness or experience in certain things just because I know that it will come and that's how I learned that's why I didn't like school a lot is because I was like I am learning so much more doing these things than I am turning in a paper about like the cold war you know how what am I going to do with this and for the rest of my life nothing
0: no I agree and I know there's a part of education in America that is just memorization That is what
1: education in America is these days. Just
0: to get through, just to get a grade, to keep advancing, and you miss out on the true experiential type of situations, which you have. And that's why I'm a firm believer as well that age should not define one way or the other. Completely. If I'm 48, that doesn't mean that I should be defined by I'm almost 50. And the same with you. That Just because you're 19 shouldn't define you that you're viewed in a certain way that you don't have experience because you have. You've had, as you mentioned, you've had a lot more experience than a lot of people have had. So I also have to question as you talk about education, why did you even go to school, business school? Because I I know you (laughs) recently decided to to drop out, but why even go?
1: It's a family thing. It, I mean, there's really nothing more to it. it. It made my family proud to say that I went to college and, and took the traditional route. But my hope is that leaving, I'll be able to you know, make them even more proud by actually doing, like, changing things. You know, like, do things that will change... I don't want to be cliche and say the world. I'm not doing those kinds of businesses, but that but will... you're building change. a legacy. That will, right. That's what I want to do. And, and so... And I know my family's big on that. And that was kind of the sell. It was like, let's build a legacy, right? My uncle built a legacy. My mom kind of built a legacy in the sense of she built a legacy within the family. And so I'm like, I'm 19. I already have a platform. I already have made my mark on small things. Like, let's, I have 80 years left to do this. You know, it's a great opportunity in the sense that, and I can go back to school. And I'm not close to the idea of going back to school. I mean, if, if everything fails, like I'm the kind of person that I will choose the best path moving forward. And if I felt the best path moving forward was to go to school, I would. I just don't. And I don't think that, a degree. So I was studying entrepreneurship in school, and that was really the thing for <laughs> you're me. You're an
0: entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> is I'm like, what am I going to do? A degree in entrepreneurship basically says that you're qualified in working for yourself. And I was like, I, I'll tell myself I'm qualified for working. I mean, that's kind of a really weird thing to do, right, is go get a degree so you can go get a job. But the degree you're getting is essentially in you're already working doing. for yourself, which is what I was already doing. right? And that was the thing is, at first, when my parents were like, don't skip school because— You can't just leave and then find what the next thing is. I was like, well, how about if I leave and continue growing this, right? I I wasn't leaving to go try to start something. I was leaving to run something that was growing really quickly and almost required me leaving. Um, I missed a bunch of classes in college and they told me I was going to fail one of my classes and even though I had an A, I did the midterms, I did everything. They were like, well, participation is 10% of your grade, and you don't show up a lot. I was like, okay, take that off. I'll take a B. Who cares, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, no, no, no. Like, it's the policy. Like, you just fail. They're like, if you miss one more, you fail. And I was going to a basketball game that night. That night I had the class at 530. The Nets were playing the Pistons at 6 o'clock, and Langston Galloway is a great friend of mine. He invited me to the game, got me courtside tickets. He's someone I wanted to be a B-win sports athlete. And I was like, call my mom. I said, I think now the perfect time. You know, and, <laughs> what'd she say? And she was like, she was asking questions, and honestly, after twenty minutes, she was like, "I agree." So, I was like, okay, good. Well, I don't care. You know what I mean? And so, and, and my thing too is, I was lucky. I was on pretty much full ride between the YouTube and my academics in high school. I was, I pretty much had a full ride. I wasn't living in the dorm, so I hadn't paid for housing. I, I lost a little bit of money, but yeah, so not it was a easy to, to it was it was easy it was away. easier to walk away. You know, and and I. D- and if anything, that was almost a failure. It was like you did—I did something that I knew in my gut was the stupidest decision I could have made. You know, and I probably would be six months farther in my business's lifespan had I not done that because I was kind of consumed by it. Um, and there were there were pluses that came from it. I, I met my girlfriend there. I, you know, made a few friends. I essentially had an excuse to move out to New York, which has done a lot for my career. And so. Oh, the experience is still right. in the itself. Experience is still worth it. Right. I paid for a lesson. But, <laughs> but here's the problem. And, and not the problem, but the part of it that I count as a failure is that I paid for the lesson with time. If I had paid for the lesson with money, it'd be something I'd be like, Okay, so twenty five thousand's gone, right? It is what it is, and don't ever do that again. Versus when eight months is gone it's like, Okay, well that's right, that's half a percent of your life. You know, And to me, that's honestly what bothers me more. That's just the way that I look yeah. at things.
0: Well, I've got friends who have invested in businesses and trying to be an entrepreneur as well. And their comment is the same, is that, hey, this was my MBA, lost money on it, but the thing I can never get back is all the time right. that... They invested into it uh, because, obviously, I mean, that's the biggest thing we can invest is our time. Right um, now, I, I think for you going back to school, it would be you should go back as a professor one day, it's funny, <laughs> so you so can teach
1: a I actually, class. I actually have in the fall semester, I'm in a few teachers' uh, syllabi. I'm going in, around to different schools in the fall and speaking and um, at their marketing classes or yeah, something. I so think that would be and, so valuable yeah. for
0: people to hear from somebody who has gone through the various challenges and steps and
1: is you know having some success. And uh, and, and the point isn't to say that I'm right either. I, I you know all my friends are like, should I drop out? I'm like, no, no. Do, to Do what? <laughs> right? I mean I dropped out because so I started, Yeah, because you're making it look easy. Right. But you have to understand I started B Win Sports in September of last year. So I started it in my dorm before I moved out and got an apartment in the city. And So I spent the first, essentially, seven months of my business, I spent also taking college classes and doing the papers and everything like that, and it wasn't worth the time. You know, that's why I'm like, I wish I got that time back, because the first couple months of business are important. Luckily, I think I did enough in that time that we're fine and we're moving forward, and now we're really, really starting to get into that kind of exponential growth versus kind of linear growth, which is what you'd hope after eight to 12 months of having a business. But, you know... I think that could have happened even a little bit sooner, which is fine, right? But Yeah, because you can't of, go change it now. Right, but the kids that are like, I want to drop out and start something. I'm like, that's a little different, right? Because also, I think, I, I'm a believer that you're wired as an entrepreneur. I don't think you can decide one day, like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Because if you were willing to work for somebody at one point, that's not really an entrepreneur. Like, I would not work for someone. I would... I would do consulting. Like I do consulting. I do marketing consulting and independent things like that. But I would never go get a nine to five and sit there and then one day be like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life. That's just not something because you have to take risks as an entrepreneur that could legitimately change your entire livelihood.
0: Now, I think some people though, I think they have to experience uh, a situation of working for somebody to realize I don't like this. And that leads them to have that entrepreneurial spirit come out. Because some people, they have that risk aversion and that keeps that spirit, you know, at bay, so to speak. And I feel that's part of me as well, that, you know, for years and years, just working for a big company and then finally realizing when I did take that step and leap out, Ah, I feel so much freer now. Right. Not to say I don't have, you know, the the pressures and just you know sure. the, you know, those moments of you know the the gut, you know, feelings of oh my goodness, am I doing the right thing? You know that type of situation. But at least I don't have that feeling of, you know, the the weight on my shoulder, so to speak. Uh, and I I feel that this maybe is something that I was supposed to be doing. So I, I think there's a balance. I think there's
1: a balance as well. I think there's, I guess I'm just more so speaking from my own feeling, which is the sense that I could not work for somebody. Like I just literally like physically, I'd be like, I'm not coming here nine to five <laughs> because my, yeah, well, that I don't want to build your dream, right? I would like to build like my dream, my company's dream, my legacy, my family, right? Like I, those are the kinds of things I want to grow because you only have so many hours. I'd rather fail at doing something that I'm passionate about than take home a paycheck doing something that he's passionate about. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's just my view on it. Yeah. Well, and And, I think
0: you experienced that just from school. You started realizing that exactly. Wait a second. Yeah. So I, I think you got to experience that a lot earlier than some other people, because in life we all can get pushed down a certain path. That's how society works, right? Oh, Completely. you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. And that's not always the best pathway and avenue. Now, were your parents very supportive of this pathway, or did they it was, question
1: you quite su- a bit? So it's been funny. So, of course, supportive. My mom especially. It has always been like, just, just do, right? Whatever you're going to do, just do it. Yeah. There's been a few wavering moments <laughs> that I would like to point out. I know she's watching this, I'm looking at you. Um, All right, Mom, this is for you. <laughs> it was the funniest story. So, I'd, like I said, I'd been reselling from the age of 11 to 16. I was top-rated on eBay. I was, I was making pretty good money for a 16-year-old. I could travel, I could do whatever I wanted. And one day, I walk into her room, and I say, Mom, I just spent $1,000 on Amazon. I just bought a camera. She's like, oh, what are you gonna do with that? I was like. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. She's like, oh, okay, like whatever. And I was like, and I'm going to quit reselling. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right? This, right? I built up this entire thing. Exactly. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. One day I'll be able to bring reselling back. But for the next year or two, I'm done. She's like, well, how are you going to make money? I was like, are you charging me rent? Like, I don't, I don't care, right? Because I'm going to build something that th- this will work. And keep in mind, I didn't even know you could be monetized on YouTube. I saw... I went to a sneaker con because that's where you could vend these sneakers in person. And I saw this guy there named Kais Omar who's now become a good friend of mine. He actually helped jumpstart my career and he was a YouTuber. And he had like a long line of people waiting to buy his t-shirts. And I saw him and I was like, look, I looked down at my table where I had sneakers I was selling that day. And I was like, he's got a better product than me. It's himself. That's a better product than what I have on this table. So I'm doing that from now on. And so that was on May 20th of 2016. Uh, I posted my first video, it was horrible. It's still on my channel, you can go look at it. I, keep in mind, this is also the funny thing too, and this is like those micro failures I was kind of talking about. I refuse to tell my friends. I had a girlfriend for three years, she didn't find out about it. I did not tell anybody besides my mom. And the reason why- About
0: your YouTube channel.
1: About my YouTube. I was like, I'm gonna go to a small private school, same kids, pre-K through 12, I'll get bullied, they'll turn me off from the idea. I'm not telling anyone, summer break is just coming up I'm not telling anybody. I'm not posting it on my personal page. I don't want my friends giving me fake numbers like, oh, I have 200 subscribers, but I can text 198 of them. I didn't want that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I wanted 200 subscribers, and I knew one of them, my mom, right? And so I actually didn't even tell my dad, which is funny enough. I just, I don't know why, I I didn't. And I remember my first friend found out a month and a half later uh, in late June because that guy, Kais, that I just mentioned shouted me out. When they found out, I had 7,000 subscribers 45 days later. And all of a sudden, my friend's like, he's big on YouTube. Because 7,000 seemed like a lot of subscribers. That's a lot. Right? And so by that point, the bullying, I kind of evaded it. My girlfriend found out when I had, like, when he found out. When he found out, he kind of sent a text to everybody in our little group chat and was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's a little project I've been working on. Keep in mind, I was making no money. I literally went from making probably more than $10,000 in April, in profit to literally zero, like literally not Just one dollar. income, for actually spending money because I paid to travel this event and so on and so forth. And fast forward seven months, I got my first check. I got a check in my bank from Google AdSense for four hundred and twelve dollars. I ran down to showed my mom, I was like, "Look at this!" And she was excited. And she and she and you know by that point, I had like sixty thousand subscribers. My channel was still growing. And she thought it was cool, but she's like, Blake, like keep in mind, you're posting videos every day to make four hundred dollars, right? You were, you could have made that on a shoe back then, you know. And I'm like, I don't care. I was as happy as I ever been. I, you know, when you're 16, it's kind of cool to go places and people ask for pictures and autographs and whatever else. I mean, not like a lot, but you know, you go out to the mall and some a, a kid stops you, and you're just like, you're on top of the world. That kid's excited. You know, imagine how you feel. And so, two. Or, yeah, two weeks later, I got another check. It was $2,100. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's, that's a little more real, right? Like, that's all of a sudden yeah, like that's an actual significant. paycheck. So uh, every month after that, I got paychecks, and they were getting bigger and bigger. And I hit 100,000 subscribers eight months after starting my channel in January of uh, 2017. That summer, I went on tour, did 28 cities in about a month and a half, was on a plane literally every single day. Sold out United States tour, sold literally like over 5,000 pieces of merchandise with my name on it and autographs and pictures. And it was such a cool way to live my childhood. And so that goes back to what we said in the beginning. What, if I could tell my 11-year-old self anything, it would just be thank you because it's really been such an interesting way to spend life. And you asked, you know, do you feel like you missed out on anything? And certainly, I missed out on high school parties. I missed out on, you know what I mean, like the regular kid stuff. I kind of stopped playing sports. I was going to say, yeah, did you have to give up playing sports? Yes and no. I had to play one sport to graduate from my high school. You had to play one sport per year. So I I did golf only, so I gave up football and basketball, which I was fine with. I liked the trade off that I was doing. Um, By this point, I was making way, 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 way more money than I'd ever made reselling it wasn't even close and I was all all of a sudden entering the room with people that I couldn't believe I was like sitting across and all of a sudden I became friends with athletes and big youtubers and rappers and anyone you can really think of and that was the
0: first one that you were just sitting across from or met and was awestruck
1: it wasn't so much awestruck at them in a weird way it was more so awestruck at the fact that like they felt like I deserved to be there. It wasn't so much I right, so like let's say I, I remember meeting Hayes Plard for the first time, who's a regular NFL player. He was the first client I ever signed to be Win Sports, but not some crazy flashy player. And I remember meeting him and just thinking, he's giving me the time of day. And he was actually a, a supporter of my YouTube channel. So that's how we met. Is he actually watched the YouTube videos and stuff. And so when he was asking me about my YouTube channel, I'm like, this is like an even playing field, right? Which is weird coming from a kid who collected football cards and amabilia and all this <laughs> stuff. All of a sudden, I'm like looking at the card and I'm like looking up, and he's like right there, you know? And it's just, it was just interesting. The, the only person I've ever been really starstruck by was when I met LaDanian Tomlinson. That's why I was a Chargers fan. That's why I was a football fan. The first football cards I ever got was 2007 Tops. I'll never forget it. And he was the cover of the pack, right? And the first football game I ever watched was the 2000 in 7 AFC championship when the patriots were undefeated playing the chargers and i walk in the room and i was arguing with my dad that day and he goes i bet on the patriots minus 4 to go to the super bowl he's like it's a lock right <laughs> and i sat down my little 7 year old arrogant self and i was like let's go who's the other team uh, chargers let's go san diego right and i just never stopped rooting for them and yeah, I so, did you do that out of spite just because your yeah, dad I was, was, I was arguing with him yeah. I liked watching that football game. Went to Target like the next day. Bought a pack of football cards. The Chargers guy that I just saw in the game was on the cover. It was was, meant to be. I was like, all right. So I like, you know, and that was it. And they were were the close team to Vegas, so I could go and, you know, it was, I'm glad I chose that team because I've been able to do so many amazing things with the Chargers. The Chargers and I have developed like a working relationship where I get to go to games, be on the field. I've met every player. I know the owners, Dean and Susie, are family friends and, now they are. I mean, they weren't in 2007. But, then, but yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's been a really...
0: How disappointed were you when they moved, though?
1: I was thrilled. My dad lives in Los Angeles, so my grandparents live there. So for me, I loved it. San Diego, when we would go to games, we'd spend the weekend at my grandparents' house or the weekend with my dad, and then we'd drive down to San Diego, drive back, and then I'd miss Monday of school because I couldn't fly back that late on a Sunday night. So being in L.A. is easy. I love that. But I get the San Diego thing. And that's a big problem the Chargers are having is trying to get a fan base again because they're essentially a new team. In a weird way, they're almost like an expansion because those San Diego fans did not move with them. No. At all. Because they resented the whole move. Yeah.
0: And obviously, LA is not an easy town to plant a new new team in, so to speak.
1: They're Uh, getting a bad break, though, because the Rams are good. If the Rams were bad... The Chargers would have it really good because the Chargers are good, but the Chargers are good and the Rams are a little more good, you know, <laughs> so a little better. So it's that I think I think that winners get fans. I mean, which winning is obvious, winning. Yes. right? But I th- I, th- I think that the Chargers have a little bit of uphill battle, but I think it's one that that, that in the long run will prove will prove. I think Dean made the right choice, which is not going to be a popular opinion with the Chargers, but I think that. I think that it was the right call. And speaking of right
0: calls, do you feel it's been a right call for you in terms of how your businesses have been evolving and you know how you're you've moved from being the the reseller and then the YouTube channel person now you're B-Win Sports. I mean are you is it a situation where you're just bored and want to evolve or do you feel that it's time that Certain things are running their course.
1: I have almost to the extent that it's a flaw. I have this thing that the way I look at everything is I'm writing my story, but very literally, like I'm like, all right, reselling chapter closed, chapter two, right? Uh, YouTube chapter written, and I I wanted to close it. And so it's funny. So that same conversation I had with my mom in her bedroom about starting the channel, I had the same one. Uh, a couple months ago and I said, Mom, I'm done with YouTube. She's like, what? You can't just stop. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna just stop because it, it's important to have the personal brand. It's important to have the platform, but um, no more sneaker content, no more sneakers. Like, I'm done. I'm doing B-Win Sports. Um, I know that I'll lose a lot of engagement. I'll lose certain things. But essentially, too, is you. everything doesn't have an infinite lifespan. I could have probably still been reselling sneakers, but YouTube's a little bit different. You, can't, it, you, you can, but it's very difficult to stay relevant for many, many, many years. And keep in mind, when I stopped, my relevance was almost as high as I've ever been. One of the last videos I posted about sneakers got two million views, which was one of the highest viewed videos ever on my channel. So it wasn't an issue of, crap, I'm losing relevance, so it's easy to get rid of. It was more of, okay, so I do this for another year or two. And I write whatever happens in the next year or two happens but then I give up the opportunity to really grow B-Win Sports, which that has a lifespan that YouTube just doesn't, right? I can't, I'm not gonna talk about sneakers on the internet when I'm 36 years old. People do it, but I'm not going to do it. You, I have, don't I have, want, you don't want to be that no, guy doing it, do No, you? And, and in not- Yeah, not in a room, negative way. Not in a negative way, way, I just have different aspirations than that, and I sat down one day and I thought, I saw this really interesting piece of content, it might have actually been from Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who's become a friend of mine through everything that I've been doing, And he said, what you should do is you should just sit down one day, think about the things you like the most and build a business around it. So I was like, okay. So I like turn off the video. I'm like, all right, let's think. I like sports. I like the business side of my YouTube, but I'm not a diehard, like I have to be in front of the camera kind of person. And I put a few more pieces together and I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start this agency. <laughs> you know, I, I, I knew the players. I was very lucky in that way. You can't just start a, an agency, obviously. Yeah, you, you have, have to can.
0: have some type of contacts.
1: Yeah, and so and I knew the players. And I was in my dorm, and I FaceTimed Hayes, and I said, I want to start this company. I'll call it B-Win Sports. And literally on a 20-minute FaceTime with Hayes, I was like, let's do it. I was like, he helped me out. I kind of gave him a little bit of a piece, and he was like, I'll give you players. So literally three days after starting the company, I had 12 athletes and we were just rocking and rolling at that point. I got a little staff together, and now it's growing. Now I'm moving to Vegas to get a little headquarters out there, then a headquarters back out here just because the LLC is established in Vegas, and there's you know, different tax laws in Nevada and things like that, and so it was really a very boom, 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 you know, let's do it. Yeah. I
0: and mean, what's, what's your message about Win sports? I mean, when you're Talking and recruiting these athletes. The
1: yes, to players. What's your message? So we have, a, we have something that no other agency has, which is I'm like, you can sign with anybody. I don't care what you do. So, for example, there's other marketing agencies, right? I'm not the first person. I didn't invent this idea, right? So a guy like Antoine was, for example, I'm like, you want to go sign with their marketing agency? Fine. You want to go, your agent wants to get your brand deals? Fine. You want- this, this, this. I don't care. The point is to help right because there's a stat that 86 or 88% of all NFL players are broke 36 months after they retire. And so to me I'm like the point is for you to make money. I will make my money, you have to make yours while you can because if in most cases you you aren't going to make much after you retire unless you're ambitious and start a business or wanna go get a 9 to 5 which most players obviously don't cuz it's weird to go from making 2 million a year to making 62,000 or whatever it may be and so I'm like Do whatever you want right we'll get you your deals it's your choice you want to accept them or not and if some other agency brings you a deal you don't owe us a piece you don't owe us anything if we ever get an offer to give you you know a free product and you don't get paid for it meaning we don't get a cut i don't care right and so So it's it's, non-exclusive it's non-exclusive it's non there's no restrictions it's very like we're literally here to help right we have we have a strategic partnership with merrill lynch so we can get them financial planners we can we have a Rolodex over 5,000 companies that we can get them jobs with when they retire, so we just had two guys, or we've had, yeah, we've had two guys retire so far, Pac-Man Jones and D'Angelo Williams, and you know, they don't really want it because they're really, really well off, especially in comparison to the rest of our guys. I mean, you know, of co- they made 50 million at least, mm-hmm. apiece. You know, they had long careers. The re- yeah, they had really long, really successful careers, so they're not the best example for it, but if they wanted a job, we could very, very easily get them one, we could get them even in, as to learn about the way that these companies do things. So, we could get a guy, for example, we had a guy, uh, Tyrell Corbin, who plays in the G League right now. He's going to probably play in the NBA Summer League and hopefully become a member of the Sacramento Kings actual team as opposed to the G League team. And he did, uh, he just did a thing recently with Douglas Elman, who's like one of the big realtors here in town. He owns like a lot of the, well, not he, it's a company, but they own a lot of the big apartment buildings. And so, Tyrell went around with them for three days and just, saw just watched right yeah, he's like still in the league so. micro internship right like a really micro internship and it's one of the things that just let them like learn you know what I mean like they're real people that's the thing people don't realize it's like how do you satisfy an NFL player it's like this is like the smallest scale but if you get an NFL player a thousand dollars to post something on their story for 24 hours they're hyped about it you're like why do they care about a thousand dollars because they're people <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs> yes. they're, they're, they're people it's cool it's like and there's almost like a weird sense of pride of like I get to make $1,000 for putting something on my story that took me three seconds, you know what I mean? And So whatever it is to the different player, whether it's a pride thing, an ego thing, uh, I really like this brand, I mean, so that's the thing too is players never do things they don't like, you know, so we, whenever we do a deal related to a product.
0: It's we, something that they value. We
1: tell the company. Or send use. It. Right, we tell the company, send the product, right? We might have a deal in place, but we're like, this deal will not go through if they don't like the products. So we've had times where the company sends stuff over, the player's like, nope, and I'm like, we can either ship it back, you can let them keep it, but they're not posting it. They don't want the money, they, they're good. And, and, and the, you know what, the companies, nine and a half out of 10 times, they love that. They wanna work with us even more because of that. Because think about it, every marketing agency is like, we'll take my percent and they'll post anything. The fact that we're so honest about it, it's like these people actually wanna help. Because the flip side is when it's a really organic promotion, how much better does it do for the company? You know what I mean? It's not even night and day. It's the if you have best. A company going, this Essentia water is really good. <laughs> versus, because of this, I wasn't hurt this season. This was awesome. Like, right? They actually sell it. It'll do so much better for them. So they're they love that. So if a guy doesn't like it, a lot of times they'll do. Well, how about another guy who's comparable in pricing that you think would be good? And they the company starts to trust us. So we've had times where a company will give us a budget and be like. You allocate amongst your players with the product, with the money, whatever, get some get this many posts out for us, this many impressions, and you do your thing. It's easy.
0: Yeah. Well and just so everybody knows Ascensio, there's no paid sponsorship for Essentia today. It just We'd happened actually, to be. <laughs> it's funny, we've actually
1: done an Essentia deal with a couple of our guys, so I don't, I don't mind the little a little. Ascentia well, we're giving blog. them some love today, yeah. right? Yes, yeah, so this just happened to
0: be, I, I saw it, and like, <laughs> all right, let's get two bottles of water. <laughs> so we had that uh, here today. And, you know, I, I'm still just fascinated from the aspect of when you look back and, this this journey that you're on in this evolution as you're going through these different changes with the company, how that mindset developed that you, you have the self-awareness to understand that because a lot of people don't have that at 19 years old, <laughs> let alone even 50 years old. Some people are not self-aware.
1: So again, does that go back to your DNA or does that go back to your parents? I think it goes more so back to my parents in the sense that I was an only child so in a weird way every entrepreneur is really competitive to be the best and i want to be the best but i'm not competing against anybody so it's a really thin line that i that i tend to tread on which is the fact that i don't look at another sports marketing agency for example and be like uh they're doing that they're doing so much better than me like crap right i i honestly don't really even look at competitors that often like of course i look at it to see like oh we could be doing that and we could do it better right or we could do this or we could do this but besides that. I'm I'm friends with a lot of the CEOs and COOs and whatever of these kinds of companies because we bounce ideas off each other. For me, it's like I don't I don't talk poorly about any of it. I don't. I think everyone does something well and everyone could do better at something, myself included. And so for me, it's just I think that a lot of people get caught up in the oh crap, his life looks better on Instagram than mine, or oh crap, their business they have better athletes than I do. Like that's the pitfall like, of social right, media. Like I'm sitting here thinking I'm all that because I have Naeem Hines, yet they have Marlon Mack, right, who's, like, kind of the starter. And I'm like, I don't care. Naeem's great, right? Like, he gets his deal, right? And I mean, that's a ridiculous example, but the point is, is I'm just not worried, you know? And, and, and luckily... Well, you can't
0: get consumed by that type of stuff or you'll never, never. grow professionally or personally.
1: No, never. You just won't. No, and I think, that, I think that it says a lot to your ability to just buckle down and just focus, Right, Because if you're, if you're, cause you only have so much focus. So if you're allocating that focus to other meaningless stuff, what is my focus? What good does me focusing on Everett Sports Marketing Company do for my business? Nothing, right? What does my focus do if I f- spend it on B-Win Sports? Something. yes, right? right. And so that's... There's obviously there'll be some type of ROI on that. Right. It, it, I think most focus that's not applied to your own business is ROI negative. You know, I mean, not counting personal life and family and things like that, but counting, right, like surfing through Instagram and and just dwelling on being not as good as somebody. And like, I don't think I'm the best. I know I'm not the best, but yet, right, that's the difference. is, is, is like I'm not the best yet, right? And I think that's a lot of people, they're like, I want to start a sports marketing company because everyone else is pretty good at it. I was like, I want to start a sports marketing company because no one's doing it right yet. In my eyes. In your eyes. Right. They're your doing perception, it. they're doing they're it. Doing it, right, it. Right. Like, I'm not knocking on y- yes, them. but I I'm, know what you're I'm, I'm, I'm like, there's another level that no one's touched yet. And no one knows how to touch it because it doesn't exist yet. And the only way it's and going And you feel to you have exactly. that formula. Yeah. And, I, and if I don't yet, I'll figure it out. That's the point, though, is, is the only way to figure stuff out is by doing. Like, I don't want to sit there and game plan. I want to sit there and do. Yeah. And then opportunities come up that you couldn't have expected and, you know, sure. whatever else. Life is be. not about
0: hypotheticals.
1: It's about doing. Exactly. That is is
0: life. It's it's about action. Now, what about from a growing up standpoint, as an only child, I mean, did you feel isolated? Did you feel spoiled? It doesn't sound like your parents would have done that, but...
1: Um, I wasn't isolated. I I always just wanted a small circle. I just, I was never like... And in a weird way, I, I was... Moderately popular in high school, I mean, like I said, I only went to a school of fifty eight kids, you know like I yeah you had I, good chances I, to be popular I, yeah, with that like, number <laughs> right, like, like like everybody's popular you know and like and and so you know i had my I had my circle of friends, I you know was team captain on the sports that I played like i i always my thing was I always liked being the leader, and it's very easy to be the leader when you're an only child because there's no one behind you, and it's very easy to be a leader or not even just a leader, but coexist as a leader when you surround yourself with other leaders. So that's what I try to do. The Problem is there's not a lot of people that I genuinely view as a leader. So I have, like right now, I have my right-hand guy who I believe, essentially what we're doing right now is I'm moving back to Vegas for a year, helping him build out the branch out there, and then he's gonna run that. And then I'm going back to New York and I'm building out a new team out here. And then there's essentially gonna be two headquarters of the business, that's what we're working on right now. He is my COO, so he's my right hand guy. So he's not exactly like the top of the company, but I know that he could be. Like if I were to die tomorrow, he could run the company and it would end up very, very, very successful. My girlfriend is beyond ambitious, starting her own business as well. It's going really well and she's my age as well. She just turned 19 and my family and besides that, I mean of course I have other friends besides four people, but. Ninety percent of my time is spent with those four people. Yeah, so it's
0: it's really close, and that's how I've always
1: been. It was a close circle. Like teammates would always have like pool of parties and stuff. I'm like, no, I don't. I just didn't. I just didn't want to go. I, I was never truly a kid in that way. I think a lot of kids, especially in my generation, because of social media, they just want to be around others. They like need others' energy to make themselves feel better or to. I mean, just, even just have fun, and there's nothing wrong with it. I was just never like that. I was. I think that the best thing my parents ever did for me was they made me very confident. Because I think a lot of people lack that and that's the one thing that makes me different from everybody else. Everybody I think the reason and that goes back to what I said about entrepreneurs, like how you couldn't work for somebody else. Like I've just I was raised in a way that I'm confident enough that I'll never have to, right? And it's not have to as in like, oh like boo hoo, like that's what ninety nine percent of the world does. Like it's obviously more than okay. I have people who I've hired. So of course I don't (laughs) not getting a job, but But I'm confident enough that I don't want... Like, I'm confident enough in what I want that when I see something I don't want, I don't, like, pander to it because it's easier or because it's what society expects. That's the big difference. Yeah.
0: Now, I think, is it a misconception then in terms of how people view your age bracket, your generation, this post-millennial or Generation Z or whatever, which you just described (laughs) as... That you know they they want to be around people uh, because I think most people outside of your generation their viewpoint is that oh no they want they're
1: they like being isolated because they're disconnected they're on their phone that's a good point you know yeah. so I, there's a lot of merit to that point as well my thing is I think that it's funny I read, I saw this thing that Gary said and it's weird like I almost don't feel like I'm part of the generation that I'm actually a part of like I, I, I feel like I belong in my parents generation in a very weird way
0: I could definitely <laughs> see that <laughs> you know like,
1: I, you know, he says like um, you know a lot of a lot of people like older people are like they don't like my generation yet they're the one that raised them and so I think that I was raised extremely meticulously my mom was a stay at home mom she you, you options trade from home it's a job on your computer while the stock market's open, which is when I was at school, you know, in the West Coast it's 6.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's when the market's open. So I, when I was home from school, she was done, you know, and she did other products. She was chairman of the board of the Animal Foundation in Vegas and lots of charity work, lots of different stuff like that. And my dad was working much longer hours than she was. But it, I just I think that it, you just I think that the reason that people don't like our generation is because our generation is set up for so much more success than past generations because of technology. I think there's a little bit of resentment in those statements, (laughs) to be honest, because technology makes it so much easier, literally. I mean, I'm a perfect example of it, right? That is the part of me that fits in generation. I'm 19, and every single day I I talk to people that are much older than me that are looking at what I do, and they're like, I couldn't have done that at 19. I wish, but I couldn't have, right? And so the, the resentment comes from the fact that they can't, they could not have done, like, for example, and I'm not saying that you do it all, but when you were 19, you could not have started a YouTube vlog, right? No. And so that's, that. I think that's where the small, like, well, of course you could do it, comes in. And it's like, well, I mean.
0: This yeah, thing, but there's much more to it than just, just because you have access to technology doesn't mean you can do certain things.
1: Completely correct.
0: Yeah. So there's that side of, to the point that it's just not easy to just go start a YouTube channel. Now you made it look easy, but you obviously had to do certain things, and there were sacrifices. Uh, but you also have this work ethic that's built in you, you know, to do that as well. And I I think that a lot of times, that yeah, we look at different generations and you know can view it in a certain way based on how our own life is, rather than. You know, viewing it from other people's perspective, and as you mentioned, like technology, for me, it's a blessing and a curse. I love That's technology. Correct. It's so convenient, but I would have to say, and I know I'm going to sound like the old guy, the old curmudgeon here, but there's an aspect that I would have to say technology has led to more stress in my life. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that all of the conveniences, now I'm conditioned to these conveniences, And then when technology doesn't work, guess what? I'm frustrated. Why isn't it working? You know, I need this to work right now. And
1: how does life work? When you need something, that's when it doesn't work. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I think my generation, and exactly what you just said, in a weird way, still directly applies to my generation in the sense that you get impatient when technology doesn't work. Well, my generation as a whole is just impatient. I feel <laughs> yes. like. and, and, and you know myself included, right? I mean, well, I'm, society is moving so fast. It's moving so fast, so it's really easy to get left behind. So you feel like going really, really fast is the way to go, and I think that going fast is the way to go. But I think really fast is when you start to skip things. You just like take really weird corners that just take off a really <laughs> important leg of your business or whatever it may be. And so, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, people don't really have a misconception of my generation. I think that, especially after attending college at a school that's, you know, decently respected, it's one of, like, the top 25 or so business programs. I mean, after meeting a lot of the kids and not knocking it, it's just, like, they're still, they're, they're like, pretty close to the stereotype, I feel like. Not in the sense of... In would, yeah. so not, what do you yes. Not, not in the negative sense of the stereotype, but I think that they're very social media driven. And I think that is going to cause a lot of problems in like 10 years when it's time to pay off student loans and things like that, and they won't be able to. Because right now, it's all about, well Kylie Jenner just posted a picture with a Gucci belt, I need that same Gucci belt. So everyone has $648 in their bank account, and they spend 595 of it on the Gucci belt to put on their Instagram to be just as cool as Kylie, but now they have no money. Keep in mind they still have student loans racking up, they still have all this stuff. And it's gonna be very difficult. I mean, it, of I, I mean, a lot of people were saying it's gonna cause an next recession, and I hope, in a weird way, selfishly, if that is what causes the next recession, I think that'll put me not going to college, and like an advantage, because it'll be like, oh, he saw it coming. Like he did that for a good reason, right? And there'll be clips like this one where I'm saying I. Why is this piece of paper worth $72,000 a year? Agreed. If the piece of paper gets you a job that pays you fifty a year, right? And, I'm, and there's obviously more to the college experience. There, there people, is. People have to find themselves. They have to make That's friends. Right. They have to move from home. So there's way more to it. And I'm not the stereotype. But for the average person, right, for the person who's going to college to get the degree to get the job, where's the framework of the finances in the sense that, like, how am I going to pay this off? before I'm 50 and before I've paid off three times what I actually borrowed if I can even afford to pay it back, right? Because it'll also be very... I think people have developed a thicker skin because of social media because they're used to getting comments and stuff. I mean, they don't like it, but I think that the bank will be like, well, you owe money and they'll be like, well, I don't care.
0: <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's a weird... Like, <laughs> there's no repercussions there's, right. at least how they view it.
1: Right. I, I think that my generation's lost a lot of grasp on on what repercussions actually mean. You know, I think that's why you know, drug use is bad, alcohol abuse is bad, I think, I mean, not that that stuff wasn't bad in your generation or many generations before that, but I think that it's getting a little worse, you know? I mean, I was Well, that's
0: interesting from your perspective to I see think, that I think way. marijuana
1: is getting worse. Maybe, like, things like crack and cocaine are probably not, but I think that marijuana is because it's so much more accessible now. You know, I, I the amount of college kids that would do it, I mean, I... So I moved out of my dorm a month after school started because I needed to run my businesses and it was hard with a roommate in a little dorm. It's not fair to him to be on the phone at 2.45 in the morning when he's got class at 7.30 and so I left and I still technically had the dorm for the rest of the year and so I'd always get these emails like, there's a group fine, everyone owes $30 because the building smells like marijuana and they would come after me for it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm absolutely not paying that. Like, I don't smoke, you can test me. It's like, <laughs> I didn't do it, I don't even live there, right? So. And, and it's just one of those things that they literally, and everyone didn't care because everyone was smoking. That's right. You know, my, Luckily my roommate didn't, so my stuff didn't like smell, but like pretty much the entire dorm building did. And, it, and it's not even legal in New York. So like it's that yeah. accessible that every college kid could get it, which coming from a private school, I was actually surprised because my whole life, my mom was like, everyone's gonna do drugs, they're gonna peer pressure you, it's gonna be this whole thing. No, especially
0: at a private school, that's all you hear,
1: right? And, and for us, I think when I graduated, maybe one person in my graduating class had ever even tried marijuana. Everybody else, maybe they drank, but besides that, no drugs, right, whatsoever. And so when I graduated and got to, to school, it was like, oh, no, they were they were right. It wasn't so much peer pressure, but everyone was just doing it. So I guess the peer pressure comes from the same thing. Everything in my generation comes That's from right. just wanting to fit in. Exactly. Right? Like, well, they're, well, they're my friends that I met at I think every generation so, right? faces it, that. Like, right, yeah. Yeah, but I think mine's worse in the sense that what's being perceived as cool won't translate to success. You know, what's perceived as cool are like these rappers, right, that are going and getting shot or like these people that are going to rehab because they they took too much drugs and like a lot of artists are coming from that and things like that. Like the things that are actually like that people are looking at as cool in my generation are a little worrisome. You know, and not everybody, obviously. But I know, but it's, I know you're right. No. Like Kim Kardashian's the most famous person it. right now. Like what? Like why? What is she famous for? You know, and I'm a hypocrite for saying that. Like I talked about shoes on the internet. <laughs> to build what I did. <laughs> right? Yes, you like like gotta be careful, right? any, that, well, And I'm saying that, and that was, yeah. and I even said that in my video. I was like, I'm done talking about shoes. And to be honest with you guys, like, I want to provide you guys with real value now, because if you like shoes, like maybe I provided you with 10 minutes of entertainment. But besides that, you you have nothing to show for the 10 minutes you spent watching my video besides knowledge about a sneaker that you probably couldn't afford, but you're spending your parents' money on it anyways, and then your parents have less money to put you in a better position in life. And I mean, to get extreme with it, when I used to be a vendor, I'll never forget this. My mom brings the story up all the time. There was a kid who was debating with his mom to buy a pair of shoes off my table, and she was like, there's not enough money left over from welfare, and he is like, "No, I am buying the shoe. I'm buying the shoe." It was like a sixty dollars shoe. He sat there debating with her for thirty minutes. I finally got to the point, and I'm like twelve years old, at the time thirteen, and I literally got to the point. I was like, "Take the shoe. If it means i my shoes. Take the shoe because it doesn't." You mean just that gave much him too. to him. Yeah, just, but here's the thing: I didn't just give it to him to like make him happy. I gave it to him, and I hope that uh, he's probably not following me. I mean, I wasn't even on YouTube back then, but I hope that at his age now, he's matured enough to realize like thank God I got this for free because like I didn't need to put my family in a worse position to get this thing. It's literally a pair of sneakers, you know, and that's the difference. So I almost gave it. Like my dad asked me right afterwards, he said, why'd you give him the shoe? And I said, because he clearly needs it more than I do. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. for his happiness, that was a thing. And, and I didn't, you know, it it was, to me, it's a pawn. It's like, I have $40 in the shoe. I'm trying to sell it for 60. So to me, I'm, okay, I guess I'm giving this random kid $40. Like, that's how I look at it. I don't care about the shoe. You know, it's not my size. It's not mine. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, and so that's those are the the deeper problems with my With my with generation. Your generation. It, it is, is the materialistic of course. aspect of it. I think that we're more materialistic than any generation ever.
0: Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. And again, because I've got three teenagers now. My oldest one, he's he's not. But my other two, yeah, they do have the tendency to to value material things a little bit more than they probably should. Now going back to sports, why do you love sports so much?
1: Because it's always been a part of my life. I growing up I was like, hey, I don't wanna be in the NFL. That'd be cool. Not never thinking I would really do it. That was one of those kind of like I'm not yeah, everybody really gonna, has a dream. I'm not like really gonna that. try, but I love playing football. I um growing up I played in the league in Las Vegas where I was It was in the, it was like not in the best part of town. You know what I mean? I was like literally like probably the only person from that half of town that would, that was even in the league. And I did it because it was like the highest level of competition. Like I loved the aspect of competing. I liked the aspect of, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. You think people, that were about to, like, so I was quarterback. Like, when I was about to be sacked, they didn't take it any easier on me because I was from a different part. Like, no one cares. Like, everyone was the same. And I really thought that was cool. And on top of that, like I said, I became a football fan at a young age. I was collecting cards. I was doing all of that. I was buying memorabilia. um, Slowly but surely, like, using my birthday presents to get, like, a Reggie Bush signed football. I mean, whoever was cool back then. And So to me, sports were, it was, that was, for me, that was, like, the real Staple of my childhood, like Pokemon and sports. Like Pokemon when I was younger, then it kind of transitioned into sports because the card collecting aspect. I liked collecting, I liked having tangible things to attach to this idea that I liked so much. And to me, there's just no thing in America, maybe besides religion, that really brings people together in such an interesting way. And I'm not really a religious person, but for me, people will ask me. I'll always joke about. It. I've said it on camera before. Like Chargers are my religion. Like every Sunday, I'm there, three hours. You know, well, there is putting my time in.
0: Aspect that is true for a lot of people. It's the ultimate connector. Sports, yes. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of bringing people together.
1: And to me, like those are the kinds of celebrities I cared about. You know, I, th- I think that it's interesting. A lot of my, I have a lot of friends on YouTube, and you know, they'll go to concerts and they'll be. Like these rappers will bring them out on stage and it looks so cool. I mean, I've gone with one of my friends and uh, he was brought out on stage with Marshmallow, you know, at a music festival in front of 100,000 people. And that looked really, really cool. And I'm like, I'd rather stand on the field on a Sunday with the Chargers players. You know, like to me, that, that's what I find really cool. So when I, as my platform grew, those were the kinds of people I started associating myself with, like slatting in DMs. And um, luckily, it was the same way. Like when I went to Memphis for a meet and greet, there's this guy that um, came into my DMs and I happened to see it and he was like, hey, my name's Laurent. I'm D'Angelo Williams' cousin. We'd both like to go get dinner with you when you get into town. And I'm like, uh, whatever. But D'Angelo followed him and he only had like 800 followers. So I'm like, it's probably legit. I'm like, all right, whatever. I have a free night in Memphis. Even if this is a scam, Like, I'll go out to dinner. And we spent the whole night together. he It's funny. I was six, 16 or 17 at the time he took me clubbing for the first time in my life. He was like, come on with us. I'm like, oh, like I can't. He's like, you don't have a fake idea. I was like, no, no, no. no. Like, I, I mean, I was not that kind of kid. Like, no, no, no. I don't. I've never tried alcohol. I don't drink. I don't do anything. He's like, we well, don't have to, but like, he's like, whatever you want to do here, you can do. Because he went to University of Memphis, so he was like, the oh, people know. Of yes, I mean, so we went to these clubs, and they'd be like, can I see your ID? And D-Lo would be like, no, he's sixteen. They'd be like, oh, okay. But he'd be like, no, he's sixteen, but he's me. they be like, oh, okay. So we had walked, and it was just like seeing all these players and everything like that. It was it was fun and. And so for me, those are like the kinds of things that like, that's why I don't regret what I missed out on. You know, because I missed out on a high school party, but I partied with D'Angelo Williams when I was 16 or yeah, 17. So you had other experiences and, and, but make that's, up And forward. they were, And all my best experiences had like an underlying aspect of sports, which is why I'm so glad that that's what my business is now. Because that's what I can focus on. Yeah, it's that's still your I passion. Can, yeah. Oh, and it'll be, it'll it be marries my passion both of them. forever. Building
0: a business and sports, it, it marries both of those.
1: Yeah, sure. and it's gotten me really close to the Chargers, which is, <laughs> I mean, I would...
0: That's the ultimate for you. Uh, the ultimate, yeah. yeah. see, mine's the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, you, you said that like, I almost did. a negative way. Oh, okay, you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, I just,
1: the Americans, I just don't like the Americans, like, why are they America's team? Because they have the biggest stadium. I don't no. think they have the most fans. I think that the Patriots probably do, for reasons that are just due to winning, and in 10 years, they won't. Yeah, but it's that star.
0: It's that bright shining star. It's what America loves. <laughs> I, I, I do. I li- know I, that's debatable. I, I,
1: I do like the Cowboys. I have, I have a few friends on the team. Antoine Woods is a client. I've met a ton of those guys. Jalen Smith, all those guys, and they're they're a cool team. You know, I, I don't I don't dislike them um, as long as it's not like Raiders, or the, Chiefs <laughs> or the Chiefs, the Broncos. Like, I'm pretty good with it.
0: <laughs> I understand. Now, what about as we wrap up here? Just words of wisdom. Now, I almost jokingly ask you that. You're 19, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, you don't have a whole lot of experience numbers-wise in terms of years on the earth, but you've got a lot of experience within those 19 years. And so what about any phrases, mottos, quotes, or just advice that you have that you would consider words of wisdom?
1: I used to always say at the in my videos, I mm-hmm. would always say, stay winning and make it happen. Like winning was almost like a branding thing. Like I did W-Y-N-N-I-N-G. And um, To me, it was if you're you're doing something right now that makes you feel like a winner, keep doing it. That really was more so speaking to like the happiness because for me, I make every decision predicated on happiness. Like I said, I'm not chasing a dollar. I'm not chasing really anything. Like I'm kind of chasing a legacy, but the only reason I'm chasing legacy is because the process actually makes me happy, right? And so that's something that winning means something different to everybody. Winning could be getting eighth place to somebody if they thought they were going to get ninth. So I, it was just stay winning. Like, if you're doing something that you like, you know, stay happy. And the make it happen part was nothing's going to get handed to you. Whether you come from, you could be the son of a billionaire and nothing's going to be handed to you. Like, let's say they give you money and let's say you blow it for your whole life. What are you going to have to show for your existence on this planet, right? Like, make something happen. And so the make it happen was my really big, was the bigger part of my. Was was a bigger part of my saying in the sense that everybody can do something. You know that's really all it boils down to is if you're watching us at home, stop watching. It's a sneaker video on YouTube. Like stop <laughs> it
0: and go do something. <laughs> make know, it happen.
1: Make it happen. It was it was. I took it because um, I think when I was much younger, I don't know if it was gifted to me or if I maybe bought it myself. I don't remember how I got it to be honest with you, but I had this little not poster, but you hung it up on the wall letter by letter, and it was a sticker that would rip the paint off when you took it off. But it said, it was the Michael Jordan quote, some want it to happen, others wish it will happen, but like the winners make it happen. Roughly that, right? And so I just took the end of it, and I was like, make it happen. That's all that really matters. Like He's right about the other stuff, but just make it happen. Like It's very simple, you don't have to think about. And that was why I shortened that quote, is yes, some want it to happen, some wish it will happen, whatever. Forget that. Like Just make it happen, right? Everything else... Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, keep it yeah. simple. Just make it happen. And make
0: it happen. Well, and I also think that so many people undervalue the process. And as you described, it's you you enjoy the the process of doing what you're doing, and and I I admire that uh, because a lot of people don't value that, and that's where you truly get. I think the experiences, and which leads to happiness uh, for a lot of people, and they just they don't value that as much, but. Blake, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this whole process, you know, for me with the podcast. So thank you very much. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Greatly appreciate
1: it. Absolutely.
0: We all know the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. But how many times do we all fall into that trap? And especially with age, whether we think a younger age is inexperienced and immature or an older age isn't keeping up with the times and can't relate. It's obvious, though, that Blake isn't allowing his age to define him, and in fact, it might just be refining him. Now, that finishes Episode 113, and more of our content can be found by visiting our Rich Take on Sports Facebook page and YouTube channel, where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Richtakesports.
1: Thanks for listening.